Hello, Jays fans, and welcome to a brand new week of the 1620 The Jays podcast presented by Barry Law. This week on the show, we've got a good one for you as golf and tennis are winding up their seasons. Sean Campbell of the men's golf team will join us here in just a few moments. Also, Tom Lilly, the head tennis coach for both the Creighton men and women as both of those teams have put themselves in really good position to perhaps capture their first ever Big Ten Conference Tournament Championship. Those events will be going on this weekend. And speaking of those Olympic sports, congratulations going out to Catherine Lemke, who was last week's guest here on the 1620 The Jays podcast. She made history on Wednesday, finishing as the first ever league golfer to go back-to-back as the individual champion at the Big East Tournament. She shot a league record 67 in the second round on Tuesday. She won the overall event by two shots. Again, the first time ever that a women's golfer has gone back-to-back as the individual champion at the Big East Tournament. Congratulations to Catherine Lemke, and we certainly hope that the 1620 The Jays podcast kick will also uh, help out our guests this week. Also coming up on today's show, I had a chance to sit down earlier this week with Creighton's brand new starting point guard, Stephen Ashworth from Utah State, who is transferring in. He will be replacing Ryan Nemhard next season. Great conversation with Stephen. That will be coming up today at the end of the podcast. But this week's show, as always, is presented by Barry Law, your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. And when those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit BarryLawFirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. The men's and women's tennis teams also in it to win it. Their head coach, Tom Lilly, is now with Connor Happer. All right, back here on the 1620 The Jays podcast this week with Creighton tennis coach Tom Lilly. Coaches the men's and the women's sides, and they are uh, prepared for a big run in the Big East tournament this weekend in Casey, South Carolina. Uh, coach, good evening. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Just uh, had one of those long uh Mid-major tennis coaches days when you're traveling and getting up at 4.15 in the morning and, you know, flying across the country. And, uh, yeah, I had, had a nice practice in 85-degree weather today. It was felt like it was about 92, 93, but, yeah, it was, it was good. But that's what makes it special, right? You get, to, you get to take everybody out on the road and, you know, maybe there's a couple bumps along the way, but it's fun. It's, <laughs> or, you know, I guess it's all about your attitude on it, I suppose. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You definitely have to uh, weather the storm, so to speak, at times and uh, be ready for anything. So um, this is for people who don't know, um, Creighton. So gets the number one seed on the men's side in the Big East tournament. And that'll they'll they'll kick off on Friday. The women's team gets the number three seed in the Big East tournament. The tournament starts Thursday, but Creighton won't play till Friday because they they get a bye. Um, Both are the highest biggie seeds that, that you guys have ever received. I mean, just, just off the face right there. I mean, I, I don't, obviously you guys want more this season, but have you had a, have you had a chance to sort of reflect and say, man, this is, this is a pretty good run we've had together this year. Yeah. I've uh, let myself, I guess, have a few uh, moments of um, just uh, happiness, I guess. And uh, kind of confirming the uh, season that we've had this year with both teams. It's been, 
been phenomenal. We've won so many close matches and it's just been, uh, I've been doing this for, this is my 26th year. So we've, we've never had a season like this for either team and have both teams having just so much success right now. It's, uh, you don't want to get too excited because you uh, we, we've got you know everybody in our conference is good and you know anybody can beat anybody on any given day so it's going to be it's going to be a tough road this weekend for sure um, there won't be any easy matches but uh, you know I think maybe in another few weeks we'll be able to look back in this and say this is really a special season and, and hopefully it's a special postseason as well. And that not to get too retrospective but uh, I guess what have you enjoyed the most about. Uh, coaching this group like what what makes this group go for you oh man it's uh well i guess starting with the the men's team uh it's just just a special group of guys who they they get along so well um and i i think it's just been a lot more positive energy coming from the guys that uh you know are competing and then the guys that aren't competing are really supportive um you know it, it does help when the the team chemistry is good and we, we've we've got a couple of grad transfers that, you know, typically you wouldn't get those, but COVID has allowed those for another year. And the only good thing about COVID that I know of. And <laughs> um, yeah, we've, we've got a couple of grad transfers that have been phenomenal for us, whether, whether it's playing or just, um, you know, supporting each other. It's, it's, uh, it's been really good. And, you know, we've won a lot of close matches and that's, that's a big part of it. Um and the women's side, I, I would say it's uh, the same thing. We were able to uh, secure a, a couple of transfers, one a grad transfer and one just uh, um, a transfer of a girl who's who's actually from Lincoln, Nebraska. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's just been the most talented roster for probably for both teams, for sure for the women's team. It's been the most talented roster. And, you know, when we're healthy, we're really dangerous. You know what's funny? I, I was going to ask you about that just – you know, and you mentioned on both teams, they've, you, you've got a couple of grad transfers and you got fortunate with some COVID years. Like, is that the sort of, is, was that the thing that you sort of found and discovered uh, uh, that, that you think work? I mean, does that work in the long term? Obviously the COVID years don't stay around. Um, but I mean, that's, that's a thing when you're, as you're going through and the game's changing so much and you have to figure out how to build a competitive roster year after year. Like is is that a is that a takeaway that you could use going forward? Yeah, yeah. The transfer portals tr- tr- changed a lot for for all sports. You know, you really see it with the uh, you know, I guess men's basketball. You can really see that over the past few weeks. But um, you know, for us, it's 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 definitely changed some things as well. And COVID will will help that for one more year, at least with the grad transfers. Um, but yeah, it's. I came into this year saying, boy, it looks like we've got a really talented men's team. And this is definitely our most talented women's team um, in the history of the school on paper. Uh, you never know how it's going to turn out. And, you know, we've we've uh, had to suffer through a lot of injuries, but uh, have come out on the good side of most of the matches. Um, so, you, you know, going coming into the season, we thought we had, uh, you know, w- with the help of transfers, um, something that, w- that could be special. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Moving forward, you know, I don't know how much transfers are going to be able to help us. Um, we, we have kind of been underfunded with scholarships throughout most of my career and joining the big East and, and getting some more funding has helped. And, and, uh, yeah, I've, 
I've definitely become a better coach when I have better players. That's for sure. <laughs> that helps. Yeah. Uh, Tom Lilly is with us uh, this week. So you mentioned it. I wanted to go a little bit big picture here uh, just quickly before we get back into this weekend. So you've been around for a long time. You've seen a lot of different iterations of, of Creighton uh, or, or, or maybe you haven't. And that's sort of the key to the longevity that, that Creighton sort of as an athletic department's been able to throw together. Are, you know, when you think back to 10 years ago and Creighton's joining the big East, um, did, did you think there would be as much success sort of like department wide as there, as there has been, you guys have obviously found your way across the entire athletic department. Um, you know, and it's stayed a really, really successful program, even with the conference job. Yeah, I, th- I think, uh, I think all of us coaches, when we heard we were joining the big East, we kind of hopped on, <laughs> Hopped on the web and uh, started checking out all the other schools. You know, we we're somewhat familiar with some of them, but uh, teams that we uh, typically wouldn't play on a regular basis. So it was a little bit of, of an unknown. You know, we were so familiar with the Missouri Valley Conference. And um, I think it was ex- it was there was excitement, but there was also that, boy, is this, you know, how, how is this going to be? Um, and, and for us, we don't we don't have a uh, traditional regular season against the big East teams. You try to play as many of them as you can. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was, it was something where it, I, I believe it's turned out to be great. And something that's always resonated with me was uh, uh, Bruce Rasmussen uh, was AD. And when he was informing us of this move to the big East, he, he said, it's, it's not just for athletics, it's for the whole university. Um, and it's, you know, where would you want to put the uh, media guide of your program or the university? Would you rather have it in? And I hope I'm not offending anybody from Carbondale or Evansville or first one I thought of too, Carbondale, honestly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, would you rather have your, your, uh, you know, your, your media guide go and, and be placed on, uh, you know, in one of those cities or would you rather have it in New York city or Cincinnati or New Jersey? You know, you know all these bigger cities and you know and and at the time the other thing was the uh the enrollment of kids going to college was only increasing on the uh northeast coast um everywhere else in the in the united states the uh, people enrolling to go to college was actually declining i don't know if that's still the case but that's what Mm. we were told back then Mm, interesting yeah one of the things that i always hear i when I, when we talk to Creighton coaches um, is sort of the camaraderie that you guys have between sports and how supportive you guys are of each other. Um, I have talked about this with actually a lot of Creighton coaches by this point. Like that, I always hear that how much of a, how much better of an experience does that make it for you to feel the sort of support, no matter what sport you're in that, that you know, you know, at least you're going to have the support of the people who you're sort of sharing an office with or sharing a building with. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it's special. It's, it's a little bit more of a family atmosphere. You can, you can go and talk to anybody. I mean, from coach Mac down, it's uh, just a great group of people first. Um, You know, obviously most of them have been highly recognized in in, uh, what they've done on the court or in the field. And, um, yeah, it's, it's something where, and like I said, I've been here for 26 years. So getting to know coach Altman when he was here and, 
you know, Flannery, he's a, he's a good friend of mine, Coach Booth. Uh, when we hired Coach Booth, uh, I only knew her as a tennis player because she was a state champion in tennis. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea she was a volleyball coach. And I, I kind of thought at the time, what, what are we doing with our volleyball program? Are we just, uh, just hiring anybody here? <laughs> <laughs> that one worked out okay. Yeah, it seemed to work out really, really well. But uh, yeah, it, it's great. The, the the coaching staff is 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 pretty close, and you know we we try to have a couple of uh, you know head coaches meetings once once every semester if we can, where we get together and uh, just just talk about things. It's 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 been a lot of fun. You now on a let's just go to the sport in general. You think back um, and. Man, I, I think sports are, you know, college athletics especially is, are evolving at such a high rate now. What's when you, when you think back to maybe when you were playing at Creighton and then you compare the sport to where it is right now, what pops out to you as, you know, some of the bigger differences that, I mean, just right away that people you'll be able to feel if you've been around the game for a while? Yeah, I would say that uh, technology has definitely changed things probably in every sport. Um but also the training, you know, our, our strength and conditioning staff is, is amazing. And I'm not saying they weren't back then, but it was, it, it's definitely different to all the uh, different training techniques and, and strategies that are used. Um, not just, you know, when we're on the tennis court, but when we're in the weight room, um, you know, for, for, for tennis, the technology of the rackets has come a long way in the string um it's has helped players um so it, it is a it is a different game now um but uh you know it, it, i i still think it's a very exciting game some people uh think that the certain volley game years ago was was a little more exciting and today's game is a little bit more grinded out uh, for most players but uh you know you, you still get a variety um but yeah technology has definitely changed Yep, you find a way to adjust. Um, going into going into this weekend, and, and this will come out on on Friday. So we're talking to Coach Lily here on Wednesday. So they haven't gone yet um, at the Big East tournament. But you know, just a little preview. What what needs to happen this weekend in order to to feel like it was a success? I, I mean, whether it's on an individual level, um, obviously you want to come home with 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 a Big East title or two. Um, but what needs to go right this weekend for you guys? Well, we'll have to do a lot of things well. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty excited where we are. Get, getting the one seed on the men's side means that we play the eight seed in the first round. And and uh, it, it's a team that, uh, I, you know, I believe we're better than. Um, the, the other six teams, It's uh, it comes down to almost a coin flip. So we've, we've been <laughs> fortunate to win all four of those matches that we've had. Um, so we'll have to put it together for sure on the men's side and, and, and play well on, on Friday and, and, and reach the semis. And the semis is something that neither of our teams have ever reached. And we're the one in the three seed this year. So it's kind of almost expected, but it's, it's, it's difficult. We, uh, on the women's side, we, uh, I, I think we're going to play UConn, but they play Seton Hall tomorrow morning. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see how that pans out. Um, and we beat UConn on spring break this year in Florida. So it was, it was outdoors on, on slower courts like we're playing at this weekend. Um, but it was a really close match and really, frankly, it could have gone either way. So we'll have to, uh, we'll have to do what we've been doing with both teams each year or all year. And that's, that's, that's when a lot of close sets and close matches, it's what it's come down to. And that's, kind of been the difference why our men are 12 and six and not six and 12 is we've just won more of the closer matches. And 
same thing on the women's side. So we'll, we'll have to really bear down and, and play well in those big moments. What happens when you, I mean, usually the case is when you have a, when you have a pretty good team, um, you have, you have that anchor that you can trust. You have a really good number one. I, I think you guys do on both sides this year. Talk, talk a little bit, a little bit about them and, and how much, you know, they, you know, obviously you, you want them to win too. Um, like what do they need to do this weekend? Yeah, so uh, on, on the women's side, uh, Malvika Shukla has been yep. been our one. Uh, she didn't start off at one this year. Kate Kruger has been our one the past three and a half years, and she's a she's a senior this year. But she she got hurt in our second match and had to pull out of the second match of of the season. And so she's been in and out of some injuries. And and uh, Mal stepped in at the number one spot. And and I think I can't remember, but I think she won twelve matches, twelve or thirteen matches. Twelve and twelve and five. I was going to say, not bad for not starting as the number one. Yeah, so she she came on really strong. She just has a big game. She's a lefty, and she she hits a uh, hits a crap out of the ball if I can say that. And uh, just uh, just a, a really good player, really strong player. And uh, you know, on the men's side, Matthew Lanahan played number four, number five for us back and forth last year. And frankly, didn't have a very good year as a sophomore. Um, he'd probably say the same thing, but uh, changed his game style a little bit this year. He's he's more of a servant volley guy. He's he's extremely athletic. He can he can do anything you ask him to do in the gym. And uh, yeah, so we we talked to him a little bit more about getting to the net more and using his athleticism up at the net. And she's just got amazing reactions and very quick. So um, that's that's changed his whole. Uh, his whole game style and, and really he's, you know, just come alive. He's potentially the biggest player of the year this year. So it's been fun to watch. Do you train, uh, do you train coach to like a style or is it, I mean, since it's so, it can be so individual in tennis, obviously there's, there's doubles as well, but it's at an individual level, everybody's got their strengths. Everybody's got things that they do well and things that they do not as well. Like, is it more about rounding that out or, or do you have, certain things that you want a Creighton tennis player to, to sort of be from an identity perspective? Like how does that work on an individual level? Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that it would be something that we would ever try to pattern all, you know, every player with it's, it's yeah. You, you're trying to utilize their strengths, try to hide their weaknesses as much as possible, but utilize their strengths and, and have them build on that. And, and then, you, and then when you go into a team match, you've got six of them going on at the same time. So it can be, right. it, can, it can be a handful to, to try to pick and choose, you know, which player you're going to watch a little bit more of, because, you know, sometimes you're going to focus on two or three different guys and your assistant's going to focus on maybe one or two um, guys and, ju- and just see how it works out during, during the course of the match and put out fires when you can. But uh, yeah, yeah, no particular style that we would ever uh, try to, try to get the whole team to uh, adjust to it's just building on their, their strengths. All right, coach. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time for a few minutes here and good, good luck this weekend. We'll be rooting for you. Congrats on an already, you know, very successful season. And uh, we'll talk to you sometime down the road. Thank you. I appreciate it, Connor. Thanks for having me on. Good stuff there from Creighton tennis coach, men's and women's Tom Lilly, as the Jays are at the big East tournament this weekend in South Carolina. Um, once again, if you're listening to this uh, right when it comes out on Thursday night or Friday morning, Jays likely already underway. Both of their matches on the men's and women's side getting started on Friday. But once again, highest seed ever for both sides um, and a 
very good successful season for the Blue Jays, and we'll see how things turn out this weekend. That'll do it for my section of the 1620 The Jays podcast for this week. I'm Connor Happer. We'll send it back to John Bishop. John. The women are the three seed in this year's conference tournament. The men are the top seed as those elimination rounds begin earlier this week. The Jays will compete on Friday in the Big East Conference Championship Tournament. And now the 1620 The Jays podcast continues. Here's Josh Peterson. John, thank you so much. We welcome onto the podcast right now from the Creighton golf team. It is Sean Campbell making his first appearance on the pod this season. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Good, thanks, Josh. How are you? It's kind of been a pretty hectic day for me, but uh, that's all good. I made it. I'm, I'm doing great. Hectic because of classes, because of practice, all of the above. What's, what's going on on your day? Yeah, well, had oh, weights this morning, then followed by two classes. I had, I then had a meeting at two o'clock. I had practice. I had to eat dinner. I'm now on here. I've got tutoring right after this, and then we leave at three thirty uh, tomorrow morning. Um, so I got to go home and get some laundry done as well. Busy, busy time. Let's talk about Sean. I guess the idea of just balancing school and and golf. As a student athlete in college, I, I've, I've talked to many athletes over the last few months, and I'm always blown away by the ability that you that you all have to do that. Given I was poor at balancing my time in college, and all I was doing was radio stuff. How how do you go about that? Are you a calendar on the computer kind of guy? You write it down in a journal, or you just kind of remember everything? I'm normally pretty good at remembering remembering where I need to be. Um, for me, it's not so bad. I only have four classes. I'm in 12, uh, 13 hours right now, so it's not so bad. But last semester, I was in 17, and that made it pretty difficult. Um, so that's kind of where all the other guys are in. But golf, I, I mean, I go to class. I go to the golf course. I come home. I eat. I go to tutoring, study table, whatever it is, and then I go to sleep. So it's pretty. It's like clockwork for me. So that's not too bad. That's awesome. You have shot par better in nine of the 24 rounds that you have played this season, you own the the, the team best uh, score scoring average this year. What what would you say, Sean, has been the biggest key to that type of consistency? Um, well, it, it's a hard one because I, I I lead the team, but I'm also kind of a little bit disappointed of where I am right mm. now. You know, it's expectations are always higher than um, you know perhaps what they are. And I had a pretty good summer last year and I kind of want to keep building on that. But this last couple of weeks, I've had a pretty good amount of time to reflect um, on what I've done. And, you know, we've, we've played a pretty tough schedule this year. Our coach has been, uh, we, we lost Judd right at the start of the year and now we got Wes in there and he, he's doing a good job. He's in Omaha and he's filling in great um, or fitting in great. Um, but, you know, I think I'm staying pretty grounded and with my swing coach at home, we're just really working on bettering me and not trying to, you know, kind of worry about the things on the outside. So we're just using my, well, we've set some goals and we're using those goals to get me better and better. And I think my consistency is coming, is coming there or is getting there. Um, and now we just, uh, got to make a big push the last couple of tournaments of the uh, season. What What is your, I guess, career look like, Sean, in terms of 
when you started playing golf, when you realized you were like, hey, I could do something with this beyond, you know, just having fun as a kid. I could I could maybe go to another country like you have. What, what I guess what's your golf journey looked like? Sure. So I, I started pretty young. My dad was pretty good. He got down to about a two or a three handicap. And then, you know, I kind of just played along and I, I was a bigger kid, so I could hit the ball pretty good. Um, and then from there, I guess we, uh, my sister, my sister played at Iowa state. Um, and she had a couple of friends that were ended up in Washington, uh, and they won the national championship uh, a few years back. Um, so I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, ended up playing a bit of junior stuff over in Australia and, um, sent out a few emails, ended up at Kansas and now I'm at Creighton. Um, and I love every bit of the US. I love college golf. I love being around the guys. Um, I live with the soccer guys now and, you know, just meeting new people, networking. It's, it's so much fun. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just having a blast and trying to enjoy it while I can. Sean, you mentioned your teammates, and I wanted to ask you about that because I know a lot of us get into golf because we watch it on TV, right? I grew up at like kind of the the height of, of Tiger Woods and him getting into the sport, and so I watch him on TV. I watch the other guys. It's an individual sport at the highest level. College golf, though, of course, is an individual sport inside of a team game, so I wonder what that is like for you because I've never played team golf before where you're pulling for your teammates, but you're also competitive against them at these tournaments at the same time. Right. So like when we are practicing, our schedules are pretty messed up this semester. So it's kind of been uh, tough to practice together and such. But I mean, when we're, when we're on the road, when we're playing, um, when, you know, when, when we're playing for, you know, practice rounds or whatever, I want to beat the shit out of these other guys. Like that's kind that's kind of what it comes down to. Right. And we've got to keep pushing each other. Um, But then when we're home, it's about, you know, who, who do you really trust to come on the road with you? Like if you, if you have five guys, five, six guys that you really trust to come and play, uh, come and play, that's, that's what really what you want. Um, we're all there for each other. If someone makes a bogey, okay, let's go and make a birdie for them. Right. Yeah. Um, and the team at the team atmosphere actually is really good because even though, you know, you you might be fourth best score um, coming into the last round for the team. You've got, and if you're if you guys are up there, you guys got to keep you got to keep pushing, right? Mm-hmm. Because you want to get as high up the leaderboard as you can. Um, so it, it's really good experience that way, and that just gains the trust of the guys. Um, and you know, I've got full faith in um, the guys that we got on the team that, that they're going to do a good job, and uh, we're going to be right there when um, conference rolls around in a couple of weeks. Sean, you mentioned a few minutes ago coming to America. You knew that that's what you want to do. Your sister also played college golf, started at Kansas. What was the recruiting process like originally, and why ultimately make a change and end up at Creighton? Um, the recruiting process was pretty tough, uh, kind of being a little bit of an unknown down there. I had a couple of buddies at Kansas uh, that I played junior golf with, and we're kind of uh, we're kind of rivals. Um, Charlie Hillier, he just won on the uh, Latino America Tour down in Brazil, um, and that was his first big win um, there. So he should be getting corn ferry, or hopefully get a bit of corn ferry status uh, this next year. But I just wasn't getting enough playing time at Kansas, um, and that was ultimately what sort of drove it, uh, me to transfer. I had two and a half years left of eligibility um and 
you know, I, I love the coaches down there. Um, Jamie Burnwell, Chris Wilson, they do a terrific job. Last year, uh, when I was in the portal a year and a half ago, we were ninth in the country. Um, and we had some studs on that team. It was really good, but just really hard to play. And I wanted to play so bad because, you know, I want this to be my job. And I'm trying to every day to get a little bit better because, you know, this this is what I want to do. And, um, you know, I, I, and give me a year's time, year and a half's time. I want to, I want to be a pro and, um, trying to make the corn Ferry tour, trying to make the PGA tour. Um, you know, guy, Ryan Fox, he just played the masters. He's been playing all these big events. Um, and just seeing him, it's like, yeah, a guy from New Zealand can actually do this. So it's, it's pretty encouraging. What was it like winning the uh, Nebraska amateur last summer? That was pretty fun. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of reverted back to the training that I had at Kansas because every week we we're in qualifiers. Um, and that was kind of the preparation I needed, even though it was two, three years ago. I was I still felt ready in that moment. Um, I think I worked pretty hard. And I was just telling myself, you work harder than every single person in this field. Um and then had a four-shot lead going up 18 and just kind of had to put the ball in play. And it, it was it was pretty fun. Um, you know, that was, kind of, that was kind of my first big win. And it gave me uh, a lot of confidence. I played pretty good up in Canada the next week and um, ended up winning the big O later in the fall. So um, expectations come from that. And um, now it's just time to reassess and – gain a little bit of confidence back coming into these next two weeks, and let's get this team to a regional. A couple more before we let you go. Uh, your bio says that you have one hole-in-one in, in your career. Tell, tell me about that. Well, I was about 12, um, playing in a, what we call, it would be a middle school event down at home, and had a little pitching wedge. It was probably about 120 yards. Uh, that was cool. Um, but then... <laughs> I made a I made a hole in one in, uh, earlier in the fall at, over down at Colorado State as well. So that's probably hasn't been updated in a while. Um, that was a little pitching wedge from one seventy five. So I, I, my pitching wedge went up in distance in the in that ten years. So it, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. I was going to ask you if you'd ever gotten close to to getting another one, and, and then you get one in the fall. Right. It, it, it's it's so exciting. Like as a golfer, like any golfer, that's that's the goal, right? Yep. Um, I'm sure I'm sure you've played a little bit of golf. That's the goal of every single golfer to to make a hole in one, right? Um, and I it was I was so excited because it, it doesn't happen very often. You don't see you don't hole out from the fit from <laughs> anywhere outside of like chipping very often. So. I was pretty excited. Sean, before I let you go, you mentioned uh, you'd obviously love to play in, in, in the professional level. Where where do you know that you need to improve? Uh, where do you hope to improve, you know, as you finish up your college career? Yeah, I my so my irons and my short game are pretty good. I need to work I, I need to hit a couple more fairways and I need it my putting. My putting the uh is probably my biggest hole in my game right now. Mm-hmm. But nothing to say I can't get a little streaky, right? Um, you know, that's that's what Colin Morikawa does. He get he gets hot one week and he's unstoppable. So I kind of feel like I'm in that boat right now. But if we can get that a little bit more consistent, um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pretty dangerous. So 
Sean Campbell uh, on the Creighton men's golf team, two hole in ones in uh, in his career. Sean, this was a great conversation, man. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Good luck the rest of your season, and uh, good luck moving forward in your career. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. John, back to you. The Men's Big East Golf Championship will be next weekend at Hardyville, South Carolina on April the 28th through the 30th. So we'll wish the Blue Jay golfers the very best of luck. Well, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago here on the 1620 The Jays podcast, the shocking decision by Ryan Nemhard to transfer out of Creighton. As of the recording of this podcast, he has still not made an official announcement where he plans to play college basketball next. But the Jays have already gone about the task of replacing him as the starting point guard, and they have found a pretty good candidate. Stephen Ashworth led the Utah State Aggies to the NCAA tournament this past season. And he is now bringing his talents to Omaha, where he has two years left of eligibility. I had a chance earlier this week on Unsportsmanlike Conduct on 1620 The Zone to sit down with this fine young man and find out what brought him to Creighton. How happy are you to uh, have a landing spot already? Did you did you think uh, through the process it would be you would have had a decision by the end of April? I didn't know exactly what to kind of expect going into this. This is obviously my first experience entering the transfer portal, and I'd heard previous experiences from guys, and both good and bad, from their experiences. And so I was just grateful that I was able to find some schools that I had interest in. They also had interest in me. And so, um, you know, it went relatively quick, especially once I was able to visit Creighton and, and see Omaha. Uh, my wife and I, we knew that it was going to be a great spot, and so we were super excited. And then it led to the quick process of a commitment. I had to imagine, Stephen, when you entered, because at that point, Ryan Nemhard was still on the roster and hadn't made his announcement yet, that Creighton was not on your radar. How quickly before the Blue Jays did get on your radar screen? Yeah, so I can't remember exactly the timeline between of when um, I was planning on entering and when Ryan had officially announced that he was leaving. I think that... Um, I think that Coach McDermott may have even heard a day before from Ryan personally. And so it actually wasn't even, um, you know, five minutes before uh, I actually had a phone call with Coach McDermott when my name was officially in the portal. Um, And so he was, you know, speaking very highly of the fact that um, he'd watched a lot of our games and had already watched some film. Um, And so it was just a, a smooth process and, you know, there's quite a few coaches that knew I might be entering the portal just because um, I, you know, I had my coach leave, and and so I think that there was some awareness that I might be going in, and so it was pretty smooth. And and Creighton was, you know, one of the the best options from the very beginning for me, honestly. Was that the the main motivation that that you decided to move on? Was that uh, Ryan Onum, your your former head coach, had left, or were there other factors that went in as well? Yeah, honestly, that's the biggest factor for me. Uh, at my time at Utah State, I've loved every minute of it. I've loved the fans, the spectrum. The conference was great this year. We had four teams in the mm-hmm. tournament, and so we're playing at a very high caliber uh, here in the Mountain West. And so the biggest thing for me was that I had had three previous coaching changes in my time at Utah State. I served an LDS mission for two years, so it was back in 2017 I committed to Coach Durier at the time, who was the head coach. And then 
uh, on my mission. He got let go, and Coach Smith became the coach, played one year for him, and then Coach, Ad- coach Odom became the coach. And throughout all of those processes, I'd never really had a time to where I got to choose who the next head coach was that I wanted to play for. And all of them had been great experiences for me. But at the same time, I felt like it was at a point in my career where I really wanted to have the final say of who I was going to be playing for and um, where I was going to be playing next season. So that's what led me to, to enter my name into the portal. Stephen Ashworth joining us, uh, newly committed to Creighton. Interesting you say that. And, and, and granted, when, you know, when people, you know, wherever they pick their school, whether it's a transfer situation or out of high school, whatever the case may be, obviously the relationship with the coach is important. But it seems like, it sounds like, at least to me, maybe clarify, that really, you know, uh, you getting a chance to pick your coach was in a very important, if on, on your list, it was one of the top things you wanted to check off. Yeah, it really was. I think that it was the priority of my uh, of my season next year is that I felt like I had propelled myself in a place to where I was going to get national recognition and be able to have options. And although I've been able to prove myself to each head coach that has come into Utah State and um, and I've played a lot, started a lot of games, I really wanted to be able to have the communication and just the expectations that were set in the regular recruiting out of high school to where I could ask the questions of, what do you see my role being? What things am I good at that fit your system? What things am I going to need to work on? And how much am I going to need to work in order to have, um, you know, a meaningful role, a role that I would um, anticipate, you know, bringing me joy on the court? And and what are the guys going to be like in the locker room? And so, and then I think the third thing for me was, what's the fan base like? And how much support does the team get? Is it a is it a university where it may be in a great conference, but only gets, you know, two or three thousand to an eight thousand arena, or is it a you know, a packed house every night. And so just going down the list of being able to talk with Coach McDermott, come out on my visit and meet all the guys and even text and call some of the guys before the visit and just ask some questions. I just knew that I was going to get along really well with them and they're all high-character guys. And then uh, obviously they showed me a lot of different videos about, um, you know, how CHI gets rocking. And so I can't (laughs) wait to experience that for my first time. New Creighton point guard Stephen Ashworth joining us here on Unsportsmanlike Conduct. It, It it, it sounds like this whole process kind of went maybe a little faster than you thought. So how fast did it crystallize to you that this was the destination for you? Yeah, it was interesting. I think throughout the process, I was really trying to take as, as many calls and answer as many texts as I, as I received and just hear everybody out for the first little bit. And then once I was able to recognize some different roster situations or location situations, I was able to then dwindle it down probably within, you know, four or five days, get it to where I was talking to maybe six or seven schools. And um, I knew that Creighton was at the top of that list uh, after I dwindled it down and done a little more research on my own of just seeing what it would be like. And then from there, uh, talking with my wife, we eventually got to a point leading up to the visit where um, we were deciding that, you know what, if, if this goes as well as how we we're expecting it to go, uh, we think this could very well be the spot, and we honestly don't need to be wasting too much time. Um, in a way, I'd say flirting with 
girlfriends you're not going to marry. <laughs> so <laughs> it, uh, it kind of became a thing for me that, you know, you can only play basketball at one, at one school at the end of all of this. And so, and I also knew that it was important for some of those other schools to be able to move on or focus on other recruits that they're recruiting and spend more time with them. And so I didn't want to drag anybody out like that, especially once I had the feelings that I did about how special this place was going to be. And so it did crystallize pretty quick, maybe a little quicker than I anticipated, but at the same time, I don't really know exactly what I was expecting coming into this. So, so Stephen, let's talk basketball then. When you look at Creighton's offense, what's the most appealing thing to you? Uh, I think the most appealing thing coming in is obviously hoping that uh, we can get some of the guys to to stay if that's what's going to be best for their career. If, you know, if they're first round picks and uh, guaranteed contracts, I would. I would hope they, they wouldn't because I think that's just an opportunity that, you know, it's all of our dreams who are playing college basketball to play that level. And so I'm super excited for some of those guys that are in the draft process right now. But with that in mind, we just have so many weapons that I think is going to be able to let each player play so free. And um, I also really liked how I believe Creighton was top 10 in open shot field goals, uh, which uh, in this season I didn't get very many of those I was obviously guarded quite a bit and quite tightly and so just seeing the way that they share the ball that they run in transition gets a lot of different guys open shots from behind the arc and those are some things that I'm very confident in shooting and so those uh those key aspects of their offense are something that I'm really looking forward to being a part of well, obviously a lot of fans myself uh media everyone you know looking over things watching some of your games going back looking at some of your highlights you, you look at you know, your skill set, um, you know, in the pick and roll, in pull-up jumpers, spot-up shooting, off-ball action, those some of those have been cited as some of your strengths. Where do you think your strengths lie? Yeah, I would definitely agree with some of that. I think that um, somebody told me in this process, I didn't even really know this, but that I was the um, best off-the-dribble shooter in the country this year with um, pull-up dribbles, and whether that's behind the three or... Uh, in the pick and roll in the mid range, and so that's something that I worked on a lot this summer, and I think that's a strength of mine, and has opened up more options for the entire team in the pick and roll situations with me with being the primary ball handler, and of course my shooting. I spend a lot of time uh, working on my shot uh, off the move, off the catch, off the dribble, stationary, and so those things. But at the same time, I also feel like I have a um, a strength of getting to spots on the court that I need to with the ball, that my ball handling has improved a lot over my course of the college career. And by being able to do that and handle the ball in a, um, you know, very high confident fashion, I've been able to get guys open shots by my penetration or by my navigating the ball screen that I maybe didn't as a freshman. And then um, at the same time, I think I also have some underrated speed to me to where I can play really fast and, I'm comfortable with the ball moving fast and in transition and things like that. And I think that Creighton plays to those suits very, very well. So I'm excited to just see how that goes. Steven Ashworth, Creighton's new point guard, joining us. Conversely, what do you see as weaknesses that you want to work on, you want to focus on as you try to do your best to complement the skills around you and what's going to be asked of you? Yeah, I think that um, some of the things that I'm looking to work on are uh, is probably going to be uh, implementing even more uh, a strong floater game to me in the Big East. There's obviously some some centers that I understand the scouting report is don't challenge them at the rim. No matter what, don't <laughs> challenge them at the rim. And so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll even face that in practice against 
you know, Ryan Kalkbrenner of don't challenge him with the rim. And so I think I'll get a lot of good reps with that of working on my floater, uh, whether that's beating my defender one-on-one or, or even in the pick-and-roll situation. And then I also think um, this season I'm really excited to be working on my on the defensive end of the ball. I think that, um, you know, for quite some time some people have labeled me or started saying that I'm, you know, not as good of a defender as I'd like to be. And I mm-hmm. think that I have some abilities to where, you know, on the offensive side I've gotten really good at navigating a ball screen. And I think on the defensive side I'm getting even better at doing those types of things. And so if I can just keep excelling on the defensive end uh, and turning that weakness more into a positive thing, uh, whether that's picking up 94 feet at times and using my speed to kind of bother the ball or pressure the ball handler and pick and rolls, I think that, uh, you know, those are some things that I'm excited to work on because, you know, I'm not trying to hide a secret that, you know, I'm about 6'1", and when uh, somebody's posting me up on the block, it's probably not to my advantage. But (laughs) if I can guard somebody 94 feet, I think that is to my advantage. And so working on some of those things for sure. Steven, it sounds like, you know, earlier in the conversation, you talked about as your process went through contacting some guys, talking to people, have have you had a chance to basically at least, if not, see them when you were on your visit to talk or text with all of your new teammates? Uh, yeah, there's a few that were out of town that I haven't been able to connect with, but guys on my visit, just off the top of my head, had dinner with Jason Green, uh, Mason Miller, Trey uh, was there, as well as Ryan and, and his fiance Rachel. It was great to meet both of them. And then also Francisco, Evan Young. Uh, who was actually a, you know, a nice little connection. We grew up in the same town, and nice. he's a few years younger than me, and so that was good. And then um, Baylor was out of town, but you know, thankfully I got Baylor's number before I even came into town. We were able to chat and text, and so it's been good. There's definitely um, going to be a few more guys that I'm going to have to meet. Um, you know, Isaac Childhood just committed from Virginia. Uh, he wasn't there, but I'm excited to to meet him and just play with all the guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. You helped Utah State to the tournament last year. Does that, in your mind, does that at least take a little bit of the pressure off given what is likely to be expected to be of your new team this next season, a team that just finished very shy of the Final Four? Expectations are going to be high. Do you think you having been in the tournament getting Utah State to the dance last year at least takes a little bit of the pressure off from what is already a high-pressure role being a starting point guard in the major college level? Yeah, I think it does in a way, but at the same time, I feel like I've always been a guy that's loved the pressure. Uh, I, I really think I do try to live by the motto that pressure is a privilege. Um, and so to be coming to a program with high expectations and high caliber people, that's exactly what you would expect. And so um, it was something that I knew making this decision would come with it. And so I've tried to just recognize that, hey, we're going to have a lot of expectations, but at the same time, Throughout the course of the season, uh, we're probably never going to be as good as the media thinks we are, and we're probably never going to be as bad as the media thinks we are. And, um, that's the media's job is to try and tell the story of what's going on, but at the same time, we're going to know you know, better than anybody being in that locker room every day, being on the practice court together, what we're capable of doing. And you know, I haven't been out there yet working out with the guys, but I know that we're going to be able to do some really special things this year. And so for me, it's more... I'd say it's more so just about enjoying the journey rather than trying to put too much pressure on where we want to go and what we want to do, but each day getting better, enjoying the process, enjoying the journey. 
And that will wrap things up this week for the 1620 The Jays podcast. The men's and women's baseball and softball teams are in action this weekend. The Creighton baseball team will be taking on St. John's in conference play Friday night, Saturday night, both at 6 o'clock, and then Sunday afternoon, actually starting at 11 a.m. over at Charles Schwab Field. The softball team will also be in town this week. They will be taking on the UConn Huskies in games that will begin Friday afternoon. And that'll wrap things up for this week's 1620 The Jays podcast. It's presented by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit BarryLawFirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. For my colleagues, Connor Happer and Josh Peterson, I'm John Bishop. We'll be back with you next week with a brand new edition of the 1620 The Jays podcast presented by Barry Law. It's a co-production of Creighton University Athletics and NRG Media Omaha.